All right, let's begin with a word of prayer, shall we? Father, we're grateful to be here, and it's fun to just laugh at each other and enjoy each other's company and, and uh, knowing that we love each other and that that love comes from you. And Lord, we want that to continue. We want it to grow. And um, we're grateful for looking at Philadelphia, a church that you had no condemnation for, Lord, who was doing a, a pretty good thing. And we want to you know, echo some of those things and um, learn to be like them and, and uh, any way we can. Lord, we're feeling really um, a lot of things going on in the world that really cause us to be anxious. <laughs> and Lord, but let us rest in you. And uh, help us uh, to uh, see your word as a comfort, always. I just pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we are still looking at the Church of Philadelphia, and we were in uh, verse 10, which is kind of a big verse. We're going to back up just a little bit and look at it a little bit, and kind of review real, real quickly. Um, let me just kind of read the text a little bit. Um, and we'll just start at 10, because we're just going to go from 10 down to 13 tonight. That's the goal, anyway. So Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10, it's the Church of Philadelphia. And um, starting in verse 10, Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I'll write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So in this first 10 that we're looking at here, because you have kept my word about patient endurance, and he says, I'm going to keep you from the hour of trial. And we looked at that last week, and I, I read this verse to you out of um, you know trying to just work on some definitions. What is the definition of hour? Well, certainly it can be a literal hour, but... We had a, a verse here in John 5, 28. I'll just read it to you. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, and those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Well, we know that hasn't happened yet. So when you use that as the hour is coming, we can see it can be used in a figurative way. Okay? And I think that's what's going on here. He's projecting out into the future. There's a time coming. An hour coming is how he puts it just as he did in John 5. And then the word trial, we looked at that. It's a, a proof. It can be used that way. You're proving something. You're testing something. You build a new gun. You go out to test it and prove it. We'll decide on that. Okay. Or it could be an experience of evil where you are proved under evil and uh, made the point that during the tribulation time, and that's what we're talking about here is this hour that's coming, this tribulation that people are either going to repent or reject. They'll be proven. and It'll be a very evil time, and we'll see that as we move on down through the text, because believers will be gone, and essentially the Holy Spirit in believers will be gone. Holy Spirit's, you know, omnipresent. He's still here, but in the believers, he's not, because the believers are gone. 
That's a huge thing. So that is a trial, a trial by evil, you could say. Okay, how do you hold up when things are really evil and tough? And um, we could go through some of that in uh, foreshadowing of things to come. Something to think about. Then the next word is try, and I know you have it as trial in your NASB if you're using that, but it's actually a different Greek word. And it has to, the idea of testing, of um, endeavor, or scrutinize, or entice, or discipline, a say, to say something, or examine. And uh, I found it here in 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. Okay? And so it's that kind of a look. So, we're looking at the seven-year tribulation in those, in those verses. And of course, still reviewing here, he says, I'm going to keep you from the hour of trial or testing. And I read you these three, four verses. We'll just do them quickly for us. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passions, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. Okay? He's going to keep us from that. 1 Thessalonians 1.9 uh, For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you. Now you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead. That is Jesus who rescues us from the wrath to come. Again, this is the hour of trials that he's talking about. Uh, just like Noah and Lot were rescued from the things that came. Another one, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, For God has not destined us for wrath, but obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Be another reference there. And then here's a backwards one, John three thirty six: He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And so there's a different way of looking at it. Okay. So this supports the pre-trib position that the church will be raptured before the seven-year tribulation starts. And then I read this quote from the Bible Knowledge Commentaries saying that um, Christ was saying that the Philadelphia church would not enter the future time of trouble. He could not have stated it more explicitly if Christ had meant to say that they would be preserved through a time of trouble, which would be a post-tribulation view, or would be taken out from, would be from within, taken out of it, would be a mid-trib or pre-wrath type of view, something like that. Okay? He says a different verb and a different preposition would have been required. Okay? And so it's clearly it's a pre-trib view in how it's worded. Okay, so now we're starting some new stuff. Uh, still verse 3, we're looking at now, because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that's coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. Okay? It's coming on the whole world. Let's go over to John 15, 18. Looking at the world. And this trial is coming on the entire world and all those that dwell on the earth. First, we're looking at the world aspect of it. 
John 15, 18. This is uh, the Lord speaking there, the uh, Last Supper, upper room discourse, we'd say. Um, if the world hates you, know it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And so he says, I'm coming to get the people of the world. You're not going to be there. You're not of the world. I've chosen you out of the world. And he's going to come and take us out of the world. And he's going to deal with the people that are left. And namely, it's the Jews that he's dealing with because well, it's time of Jacob's trouble. And that would be a whole other thing to look at back out of Daniel and stuff. But there will be Gentiles here. Some will come to know the Lord. It's going to be a tough time for them. And I think we looked at some verses last week. Uh, Satan's going to war against them. It's not going to go well. Um, and that's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You know, when you hear the gospel, trust Christ as Lord and Savior. Don't wait because tomorrow's not given. You know, um, our next breath isn't given. So the Lord is going to deal with the world. Um, 1 John 5, 19. Let me just read it to you. For we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Whole world lies in the power of the evil one. We are from God. So there's making a distinction between us and the world. First John 5, 19. That was. I'll look at that. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Well, who's going to have the heyday when the Holy Spirit, the restrainer, takes the Christians out of this world? The evil one. He's going to be able to run rampant uh, because the restraint is gone. After the rapture, only those who are in the power of the evil one will be left. Okay, then there's these people are called those who dwell on the earth, right out of our scripture. Okay, the passage we're looking at. People who dwell on the earth. Um, let's go to 2 Thessalonians 2.6. 2 Thessalonians 2.6. And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. Speaking about the Antichrist. That he, the Antichrist, may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, and we see that. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Again, the Holy Spirit is a restrainer. He lives in the lives of the church, the bride of Christ. Okay. And when the church is raptured away, this restraining power of the Holy Spirit is removed. Even though the, and the argument against that is that, well, the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He's got to be here. Well, he will be here, but not in the saints. Okay, the saints are all removed. The church is removed. The bride is removed. Okay, now, 
people start to come to know the Lord right away, and I have to assume that they have the Holy Spirit in them. Certainly the 144,000 have a seal on them. I would assume that's the seal of the Holy Spirit. Um, it doesn't say that specifically that way. but um, So it begins to start back up again, I guess, but Satan is allowed to fight against them, and he's not a lot of people make it through the tribulation, apparently. Um, there's, because, well, you know the study, but some of the verbiage is he conquers them. You get the impression that he's conquering the saints and that it's, it's not a pleasant time for anyone on earth, but for Christians, they are specifically being attacked by Satan during that time. The church is called to be godly, a godly influence to the whole world. You know these verses out of Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. I've kind of paraphrased this a little bit. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. When that purifying effect is gone, it allows Satan to run rampant. I don't know if, I just remember distinctly in my mind, I was at New Hampshire Helicopters and I worked on the night shift. <laughs> Came in at two in the afternoon, I think it was or so. And we worked till midnight. And... Um, I just remember walking into the little office and the guys were all in the office and they, oh, put it away, Frankie's here. <laughs> and they had a, a magazine or something they threw it in the file cabinet. I, I didn't say anything. I didn't know what they were doing. Just there was an influence. I knew that I was a churchgoer. I didn't swear. They didn't know a lot more about me. I hadn't even worked there that long. Frankie's here, put it away. It's like, it was kind of interesting. You know, but there is that influence that we all have, hopefully, you know, that if our lives show something, there should be some sort of influence. And I think that has a lot more suppression than we know, you know. Um, anyway, just something I recall. It was very distinct in my mind. Uh, salt of the earth, light of the world. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So what will the world be like for those who dwell on the earth with the restraining power of the Holy Spirit removed? It's, it's going to be bad. Um, but now we, we get to this portion in our passage of Revelation 3.10. It talks about those who dwell on the earth. The phrase dwell on the earth is used nine times in the book of Revelation. And it always in re is in reference to those who are not saved in Jesus but lost. Okay, let's look at some of these. We'll go over to Revelation 6.10. We'll work through just, I think, four of them I've got here. Just kind of look at this. There's this distinction being made about those who dwell on the earth. Okay, they're earth dwellers. And we see that we are not of this world. We're something different. Okay. Revelation 6.10. Now, this is the tribulation saints, and they're crying out to the Lord. I think, what, this is the sixth or seventh seal. Uh, they cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Okay? They want vengeance. These are tribulation saints crying out to the Lord. When are you going to avenge our blood on these people that are earth dwellers? Okay, now go over to chapter 11, verse 9. This is... Um, the two 
prophets, who we don't know who they are, Elijah and Moses, we think. There's some other thoughts there. Um, for th- they are killed, finally. Revelation 11, 9, for three and a half days, some of the peoples and the tribes and language and nations will gaze on their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in the tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents. I don't know if you've seen the videos, but there's been a lot of terrorism in Israel just the last six months, maybe not somewhere near. Whenever an Israeli gets killed... You go to Gaza, and they're passing out candy on the streets and celebrating. They'll stop cars at the lights, whatever, and pass out candies, cookies, and they exchange gifts, essentially. (laughs) Maybe they don't exchange them, but they celebrate. It's kind of interesting here. They make merry and exchange presents because these two prophets had been in torment to those who dwell on the earth. And so they're God's prophets, and they were doing his business, but it was a torment to the earth dwellers, and the earth dwellers were those who rejoiced over them when they were killed. Not a good picture for people that are called earth dwellers. The next one is in Revelation 13, chapter 13, verse 7, or chapter 13, unlucky 13, but this is where we go to find the Antichrist and the false prophet, which is how I remember where they're at, okay? Um, My little deal, but... helps okay so it starts off also it and that means it's talking about the antichrist at this point okay was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them that doesn't sound good for saints but these are tribulation saints they've been saved during the tribulation and authority was given it the beast over every tribe and people and language and nation and all who dwell on the earth will worship it earth dwellers, and everyone whose name has not been written in, before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. Very clear. We know that's the Lord, His book. You want to be in that book, okay? These people are not in that book. Go on over to chapter 17, verse 8. This is our last one. But there's more, but these are the ones I chose, Okay. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. Again, we're talking about Satan here. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast because it was not, because it was and is not and is to come. Okay? So again, dwellers on earth. It's always negative everywhere you find it in the book of Revelation. You do not want to be a dweller on earth. Okay. Now let's turn over to 1 Peter 1.3. Our dwelling on earth is only temporary. We have, there's some other verses I could have gotten in here too, but I didn't. But anyway, um, 1 Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, 
kept in heaven for you. We're not earth dwellers. <laughs> we have a home in heaven. We're just here. We're called, this is a verse I thought of later, and I didn't get in here, but we are ambassadors. That's home. We're here temporary as ambassadors of Christ. Okay? Heaven's our home. Um, verse 5 in that same te text there who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. We're still here. We're not in heaven yet, but that's where we're headed. Philippians uh, 3.20. This is a good one. We should look at this one. We are not earth dwellers is the point of looking at these verses. Okay? Philippians 3.20 But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like... How do you like to have a lowly body called that? Boy, the older I get, the more I feel it. <laughs> but he's going to transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are not earth dwellers. Okay? All right. Back to our passage in Revelation 3. Uh, the next verse, verse 11. He says, I'm coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. So I'm coming soon. Here's Volverd's way of putting it. He says, The expression quickly is to be understood as something which is sudden and unexpected and not necessarily immediate. Okay, uh, I just like to put it this way: If we have the mind of Christ, um, we already we have eternal life, and we should be thinking as He thinks. Uh, we should be thinking that we are not earth dwellers; that we are heaven dwellers. And that's hard to wrap our heads around because we know is what we know, and that's been here. Okay, but uh, the Lord tells us that our life is but a mist, but a vapor. You know, I mean, all eighty years of it, maybe or whatever, and then. You know, but in light of eternity, that's all it is. And so, I'm coming soon. We're not going to be here that long in light of eternity. He says, hold fast to what you have. Um, what do they have? What were they commended for? There's really two things that they were commended for. If you glance back at verse 8, you'll see, you have kept my word and have not denied my name. You could call that, I guess maybe we've got three things. <laughs> and then verse 10, he says, you have kept my word about patient endurance. And that's the commendation that Philadelphia gets out of this, this letter. Hold fast to that is what he's saying. So we are to continue on keeping the word of the Lord in patient endurance and not deny his name. That's what he'd have us do. So let's look at some verses on that. Matthew 10, 22. Got some verses that, that talk about these things. And they don't say it all completely like we'd... But we get the idea. Matthew 10, 22. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. We're not to deny his name. And if you deny his name, you wouldn't be hated. You know, that was what 
during the all the persecution, you know, the by the church and whatnot, uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs, you know, it was just recant, 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 you know, and they wouldn't, you know, wouldn't deny his name, and many lost their lives for it. Here we see, you'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And there's this constant call through the New Testament to endure, to persevere, to push on, continue on in the Lord. Okay. Romans 2.7, another one. If you want to go there, um, these are short verses, but it's worth looking at. Romans 2, verse 7. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. So he has things for us to do. We need to be patient. We need to just continue on in those things. Um, Hebrews 3, 14 Is for we have come to share in Christ. Again, you know, we're are we denying Him or are we holding on to you know Him? Are we sharing in Christ? If indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, you know, and we see that in people, and of course, well, we see it in the parable of the sower. And we have some people that just kind of look like they're really getting going with the Lord and walking with the Lord, and then the things of the world come along and they just walk away. The Lord says, hold on to your original confidence, firm to the end, continue on in me. You know. Um, and then I think the last one here is Hebrews 10.37. Uh, let's go over there. So just continuing to looking at holding fast is what we had back in our passage in Revelation 3, 11. But Hebrews 10, 37, For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous ones shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Okay, when things get rough, we don't shrink back. We just persevere, push on in the Lord. We know that, as Peter said, where else do we go? There's no other place to go. It's, we have to be all in <laughs> with the Lord, and that has to be our mindset. It's kind of like never using the D word when you get married. You have to have a mindset that you're never going to use that word in your relationship. You're never going to talk about the D word, divorce. That, that was something that we agreed on. That's not going to be in our conversation. It's not an option. We need to have the mind that we're going to persevere in the Lord. I'm coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. What's that about? I'm going to seize my crown. Okay. Let me read what MacArthur says here. He says, A loss 
of that reward may occur to any believer who does not discriminate fellowship on the basis of adherence to the truth. He wants you to discriminate, be discriminating about your adherence to the truth, is what he's saying. Okay? This is a potent warning, he goes on. All the eternal reward one earns by seeing Christ purely, eagerly, and effectively in the Spirit can be diminished by any aiding or abetting of false teaching. We need to be discerning and not get caught up in false teaching and even help promote it. Okay? So there's a number of warnings that are very similar to this, okay? Um, let's go to 1 Timothy 1, 5. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.5 The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. This is how we ought to walk. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Okay, so they've wandered away from the truth. Okay, and in supporting those things, wandering away from the truth, we can diminish our crowns, take away from our crowns, take away from our rewards. Okay, here's another one. Let's go over to 2 John 1, verse 4. This talks a lot about walking in the Lord, walking in truth. Okay, Second John chapter 1, verse 4. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth. Just like we do when our kids are walking in truth, okay? Just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. Persevering, continuing on. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Verse 7, for many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and the Antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. And there again is what MacArthur was talking about. You can lose rewards by lining up with false teaching and helping it, promoting it. So lose your full reward. Don't want to do that. Okay, um, one more. Colossians 2.16. Head over there. Still looking at lots of reward so that no one may seize your crown is what our passage says there in Revelation 3.11. We're headed to Colossians 2.16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath, 
These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on, and here's some things that we don't need to go there, asceticism and the worship of angels, or going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head. There's that you know, perseverance, holding on to what the Lord's given us. From whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. And that whole body being the church growing, you know. But we need to all be walking of the same mind, working together, going the same way in Him. And it's possible to get off track and lose reward. Okay. All right. Back in Revelation 3, verse 12 now, our passage there. He says, uh, to the one who conquers, and we've looked at that quite a little bit because it's in every, or overcomes, depending on your translation. And it's the person who overcomes or conquers is the person who's trusted in Christ as Lord and Savior with their faith in Him for salvation. Didn't bring any works. Like all the religious that Linton was talking about this morning, you don't, don't show up with works. The one who conquers is the one who's trusted Christ as Lord and Savior. Okay. He says, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Who wants to be a pillar? I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God. It's a place of strength, of honor. It's a secure place in the presence of God. Um, and we should never go out of it. He says we will never go out of it. We're going to be a pillar in the temple. Well, that sounds boring. Okay. But... Um, I think if we think of it as a place of strength and honor and, and in security, uh, eternal security. Um, but let's take a look at this, uh, Revelation 21, 22. And um, let's go back and check that out. Revelation 21. Let's go up to verse 10. We're just going to read this a little bit. Um, and he carried me away in the spirit, it would be John speaking, to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper clear as crystal. And it had a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed there. And on the east three gates, and on the north three gates, and on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Which is interesting, we've got the twelve apostles, and we've got the twelve tribes. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and its walls. And the city lies four square, its length is the same as its width. And he measured it, the city with a rod, and it's 12,000 stadia. That's about 1,400 miles is what they estimate. Okay. That's about here to Minnesota. This thing's square. And uh, it's here to Minnesota, down to Texas, over to uh, California, about at the Mexican border, and then back up to us. That's how big that chunk of land is. Okay. But it's a cube, we believe, as well. So it goes up that high as well. It's pretty big. 
It also had a wall. It's 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. Wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall in the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third is agate, and the fourth emerald. The fifth is onyx, and the sixth is carnelian. The seventh is crystallite, and the eighth is beryl. The ninth is topaz, the tenth is crystalphes, the eleventh is janus, I'm not getting that right probably, and the twelfth is azimuth. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. Now, back in our passage we're looking at, it says, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God. So, I don't know quite how to relate to that. <laughs> I don't know what that looks like. It's a big, big, big city. It's a monstrous city. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And we're to be made a pillar there. I don't know how to take that, <laughs> but that's what it says. You know, I think it's a place of security for sure. It's a place I think we want to be. Okay. It says, we, back in our passage here, never shall he go out of it. And I think that gives us the impression of eternal security there. I thought of this verse with it, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You know, it's what he's making us into, what we're going to be, how we're going to, what are we going to do? I'm sure he has, we know he has work for us to do in heaven. How that's all going <laughs> to, you know, play out, don't know. But um, I know I want to be there in him. And he goes on. In our passage in 3.12, Revelation 3.12, he says, I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, which we just read about, and my own new name. Um, so I wrote it like this. The overcomer will have three names written on him. The name of God, the name of the new Jerusalem and the new name of the Lord Jesus. And we will be identified by all three. As Christ is writing his name on us, speaks of imprinting his character on us and identifying us as belonging to him. Okay? I belong to God Almighty. He's got his name on me. I live in the new Jerusalem. That's, that's written on me. I don't know where he's going to write all this stuff. <laughs> and that's maybe just a, a way of saying it. And then he's, he's given me a new name for him. Okay? How I call him. And, and of course, um, when Linton's been going through the names of God, just got started. Um, there's a lot of names of God. <laughs> um, there's about a dozen big names. And then there's I don't know, I have a list of over 200 little names of just all over the Bible. That's fascinating to read. Uh, it's rather encouraging to read. Um, but he's going to come up with a new name. 
And he's going to give that to us, and I assume that's for us to speak to him, call him by. Don't know. Doesn't say. Revelation 14, 1. I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him the 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. So real similar there. See, he's, he's done that, okay? And then Revelation 19, 11, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. And his eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. You know, the Lord names all the stars. He didn't have a problem coming up with names, apparently. <laughs> and so he, he has a new name. Don't know what it's going to be, but we will know at that point. Here's what McGee says about this. He says, And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is a new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. And he says, This is the passport and visa of the believer which will enable him as a citizen of heaven to pass freely upon this earth or anywhere in God's universe. He is a pillar to no more go out, but with God's passport he will go everywhere. Although this is paradoxical, it is all wonderfully and blessedly true. So he calls us a pillar on one hand and says we'll never go out. And then McGee here thinks that these names are like a passport. This is where we belong. Don't know exactly. I know that's not very comforting. Some of this stuff just isn't, we can't really nail down. It's just not, but it's going to make perfect sense when we get there. And then we finish up with the verse 13. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And uh, probably the verse that concerns us the most, eh, not really, but 310 that we started with, because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world. And because these letters are spoken to all the churches, as he says over and over again, what the Spirit says to the churches, we know that's meant for us as well. And that supports our pre-trib position as well, that we will be kept out of the hour of trial. Okay? That completes our, our Philadelphia church, and Lord willing, next week we'll, we'll start on Laodicea. All right, let's pray. Father, we're grateful for the words that you give us about keeping us from that hour of trial and the words you give us about keeping us from your wrath and um, that you've gone to prepare a place for us and you're going to come again and take us to be with you. And um, we're, we're anxious to be with you, Lord. Uh, help us to be thinking of that often, a desire to go to be with you. Lord, also help us to think about our friends and neighbors that some could be snatched from the fire, the wrath that is coming. And uh, we don't want to ever uh, forget about that. And and be sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit to share the gospel. Bless us, I pray, as we go this week. In Jesus' name, amen.